Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 69 of In the Middle of It, the podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Well, hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and if you are joining me for the first time today, welcome. I'm so excited. I've got a great interview that I'm about to share with you. And if you've been around a while, you might recognize my guest. Emily Robertson is a good friend of mine. We are in a critique group together, and she was recently published. Her first young adult book, Lifestyles of Gods and Monsters, was released back in October, and it is a fabulous book uh, that is a myth in a modern setting. And so today she is here to talk about that with us. So we're just going to jump right in and get started. Here we go. And thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. I am so excited to talk about this book. I feel like you birthed it, but I feel like I was in the room. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, as a nurse or an observer or whatever, but a doula, doula. one of several, I know, but, um, but I'm just so excited for you. I love the book. I've loved sharing it with several people. In fact, I'll probably talk to you a little bit more later on about my niece who read it, who just loved, loved, loved it. And her first question was, when is the sequel coming out? Which I know is my question too, which I, you know, I, I'm sure you'll share a little bit about that later or hopes for that. But anyway, so thank you for being on. Tell my listeners a little bit about you and how you have ended up with a, a book out in the published world. So I am from Little Rock, Arkansas, and I live there now. I've lived a bunch of other places. Um, I am a person who has always, always, always loved retellings. I went to University of Texas at Austin to get a master's in English with a focus on Shakespeare and performance. So the plays being played and replayed, I have always loved really old stuff, but then I've also always, always, always loved pop culture. I love magazines. I love Us Weekly. I love uh, tabloids. I love the idea of reality TV. I don't watch that much. I more a lot watch like recaps and um, summaries and just, you know, paparazzi photos, all that stuff. So this book is a funny combination of all of my interests. Right. Well, and I think that that's something that you and I really connect on too, is just our love of story and, and all of those things that you just listed out. There's so much fascinating story in all those, right? Like whether it's real or fiction or, or, you know, or some combination in between, but yeah, I love that. Okay. And so this story is kind of that, the, the baby of all that, I, I would say. And but why did you choose mythology. Like, I'm really curious about that because I know you talked about Shakespeare and, and kind of that route that you studied at UT, but what is it, uh, because I know it's not just this particular myth of the Minotaur and the labyrinth that you are really fascinated by, but what draws you back into that world, do you think? So the funny thing about Lifestyles of Gods and Monsters, for anybody who reads it, is that the first chapter sort of arrived fully (laughs) formed. As, as you'll know, Amy read it in a really early phase, and it's really not that different from how it was when it yeah. first arrived. A blurrier maybe, but not, not yeah. different. And so what happened was I was, seriously, I was in the grocery store, and I was in the checkout line, and I was looking at the pictures 
uh, mostly the Kardashians. And I thought about how you will people he, you'll hear people say the Kardashians are not famous for anything. They don't do anything, which if you think about it, they don't sing, they don't dance, they don't act other than sort of playing a version of themselves, but they aren't actors. They're and not like Seinfeld of reality TV. <laughs> right. They're not scientists. They're not, they don't have accomplishments, but I think it's not true to say they don't do anything or people will say they're famous for being famous. Famous for being famous. And that is true. And I was trying to think about what analogies there are to how they are famous. Right. It's not royalty. Because royalty is born to it. Kardashians are just like ordinary rich girls from LA. Like there are, you know, 15,000 of them. Like it's not, there's no reason for them to have been singled out. And the, and this is where all the, my education shows up. I thought, you know, what is similar is the people in mythology because they, not the heroes, not Hercules or Perseus or those guys who are famous for killing a monster, but more like the, you know, Europa, who's famous for being carried off by a bull or um, any of the various of Zeus's conquests or the lovers of the various gods and goddesses who are basically just sort of showed up and then there's a whole story built around them. And I started thinking, like, how do people know? Yeah. Like, how do people know about Europa? Like, did someone tell? <laughs> like, and for those of you who don't remember, she's carried off by a bull, by Zeus in the form of a bull. Okay, and, see, uh, I don't remember that one at all, but I know you are. You... She's like playing in the on the beach and this bull comes out of the water and is really pretty and she gets on his back and it carries her off. She was a princess. She gets carried off across the ocean and of course gets stuck on an island as they do. So I just kept thinking, well, how would anyone know these things? And that's when I started thinking about the paparazzi. And then I was thinking about like the one of the worst stories in mythology, which is the genesis of the Minotaur. The Minotaur and yeah. that is how I ended up writing that first chapter. But I do think that the way that in the ancient world, there's this focus on fame and on the fame that you can achieve in your lifetime. Yeah. Like your stories being told about you, being famous was for the perspective of the ancient world. It was like the pinnacle of a life to be the sort of person, whether it was a hero, whether it was that people would make songs about. Right. And I and think that, a legacy, right? They'd have a legacy behind They'd that. have a legacy. Their afterlife was really not a great afterlife at all. It was definitely not right. a thing one would aspire to. But that was like their whole system was based around fame that way. And I just feel like we're at this moment where that is really similar. Mm -hmm. Or that, you know, like if you ask a bunch of third graders what they want to do for their job, they want to be YouTubers or tic on TikTok, you know, they want, right. they want to be, or, you know, or basketball stars, but basketball stars in the context of like being famous. And so I think that's, that really spoke to our moment for me. Sure. Well, I do have to say that first scene in the book, whenever I've handed the books to a friend, I, I will say, get past the first chapter. <laughs> That's the true part. 
then the rest of the story unfolds and it's, it's, a you know, and not that that first chapter isn't amazing because it is. And the way that you've handled it was so well done. Like we've talked about this because you did from the first iteration of it into what it is right now. It's, it's like you kind of pulled the lens back a little bit, made it a little bit blurry so that as you're reading it, I know a friend of mine said, I had to read it a couple of times because I was saying, is that what happened? Is that really what happened? I'm like, yep, that's what happened. So, it is the first line of the Wikipedia entry. Yes, yes. So well done. But I do feel I do feel like I I wouldn't want people to think that that I feel like the paparazzi and the gods is almost like the hook that starts the book. That's absolutely what it is. Yeah. But I wouldn't want. But what's super interesting from the perspective of fame is that our main character. Ariadne is a person who doesn't want that. Right. And so I think the, you know, I really wanted to explore like both things, both what does it mean to have your family be the Kardashians? And then what does it mean if you're one of the sisters who doesn't want to be part of that? And if you're a person who doesn't want to live publicly, how do you operate in that world or in our world? Right. And so let's jump into that because I think one of the really great things about the book is that there are so many dynamics that are going on between family members and then just within Ariadne herself, the main character and the conflict that she has being that one who's different in her family. And I think for me, I was thinking about it in terms of not just a parent perspective of maybe reading this with one of my kids but also in terms of being a teacher and being able to talk about students with it in the classroom, because I think it's an amazing vehicle to really be able to hone into that part, especially of middle schoolers that always feels different and feels like they are other from, from everyone else around them and doesn't know, necessarily know how to navigate it or doesn't necessarily see the whole picture. Those, those kinds of themes is, is kind of what I'm going for. So, Talk to me a little bit about why Ariadne felt so different. I know she didn't want to be famous, but there were some other things that I think go a little bit deeper there too. Well, I think there's a couple of major things. One of which is she has a really specific role in her family. Um, mm -hmm. She's a caretaking role in her family that I think can apply to a lot of different kids. Like I feel like there are a lot of kids, you know, in whether in school or in life who have who are taking on this role in their family and I think what's super interesting about it and I really tried to hone in on it is that both the ways that it's like it's a lot for a kid to have but it's also the relationship she has with the person she's taking care of is the most important relationship of her life right so both things can be true like she's both put in a position you would hope no kid is ever put in that people are where you you're the only person to take care of someone who need who needs you but also it makes her really different from her sisters because they have their own roles which she sees as selfish and later realizes that their roles are as prescribed by the family as hers are right but i think i really wanted to catch that feeling you have when you're in the middle of it that your your role is the hardest role like your position is the most difficult and I think our role is really difficult <laughs> it, it, it absolutely is difficult I mean there's literal it's life and death yeah 
But I do feel like I really wanted to get that sense that like she's different because of that. But then also she has been manipulated into seeing herself as different. And I really, I've been thinking about this a bunch lately, the ways that people can manipulate kids into doing what they want them to do by presenting it as you're not like the other ones. I feel yeah. like you see it all the time with men taking advantage of younger women. You're not like the other girls. You are X, Y, they are this, this, and this, and you are this, this, and this. And that is definitely part of how she's been manipulated within her family. Right. And I, to me, that was what we were just talking about this before we started recording. And that was one of the most poignant parts of the book is when that curtain is pulled back and she sees the reality with her parents in particular. I don't want to, you know, give anything away or have any spoilers, but, but there's this moment where she sees the truth of how, uh, and it's a betrayal, like it's a heartbreaking betrayal and, and it kind of launches her into having to make some decisions to either stay in that role or to leave. And I think that that is part, you know, when you think about what we ask books to do and what we ask young adult books to do, but specifically what we ask books to do, I think the best ones we see ourselves, but then we also see ourselves more, you know, like you see your face in the mirror, which we can all see, but if you, if it's really done well, you can see your whole 360 which you can't Um, see on your own without, you know, having that other thing. So I think, you know, I feel like, you know, as writers, we meet things about ourselves. And I know that for me as a teenager, it was really important that I was different from other girls mm -hmm. and realizing later that, nope, we're all just humans. Like we're all, and the ways that like I was set up to see myself as different in a way, you know, to, to not empathize with, you know, other people and in a way that it divides us, you know? So if you say like, oh, I'm not like these girls, it means I don't have to care about what happens to them. I mean, of course that's not what we hope, but that is sometimes the message. Like, well, they made their choices or whatever. And I really wanted the book in part to complicate that, that sense that Ariadne has that she's, she's raised to believe that she's better. Well, and that's how other gonna people, well, not just other people, but her sisters, her sisters specifically. And I think that's part of the power of the book is you take, because again, this is a conversation we've had before where, um, we've talked about how a lot of times women are pigeonholed, either they're pigeonholed as beautiful or smart. And if there's any combination of that, I think it's very difficult because you don't fit in in either spot. If you're too smart if you're smart and beautiful, then the beautiful people are intimidated by that. And the smart people are intimidated by that. And so there's, I just feel like women are often pitted against each other in a way that is very manipulated by the people around us. So I, that's why I really appreciated Ariadne's struggle and that you did show us that 360 of, oh wait, it's not just this. There's all this other stuff. Well, and I really want, I feel like the a lot of the conversation in the culture about reality tv that kids hear is so reductive right like it's like oh the card like i was i read an article recently that was talking about kylie um jenner who's the youngest of the kardashians 
she has parlayed her reality fame into a cosmetic business that's worth more than a billion dollars. Yeah, like it's so an empire. Whatever empire. she is, it's not stupid. Yeah. It's not. Regardless of what, and if, and if you're a teacher or you're a parent and you're listening to this and you're shaking your head and you're saying she's stupid, I promise you she's not stupid. Even if she's got great people around her, which I'm sure she does, if you pay any attention to what she's doing, it's not stupid. It's, but at the same time, the interview with her could not stop talking about her body. And mm. yes, she puts up pictures of her body. That is part of what she does. That's part about what all those girls do, women. What all those women do. I say girls because when it started, they were. Kylie and Kendall were girls, but now they're women. She puts up pictures of her body. But I feel like one of the things that I feel like is so generational and that really we just need to pound into people's heads is that Kylie Jenner putting up pictures of herself is not the same as Kylie Jenner being someone else putting up pictures of Kylie Jenner. Even though they look the same. And so, but I feel like you can come at that from both sides, right? Because for Ariadne in the book, she looks at her sisters and thinks they're all doing this, this all because they want to. Well, her sisters also, because of an economic system that has been built by reality TV, and I absolutely believe this is also true of the Kardashians, maybe less so Kylie because she's got her billion dollar cosmetics business, but for the other ones who were meshed in the making of that show, the decision to show yourself or not show yourself is an economic decision. And there probably are days where they don't really want to do it. And they right. don't want to do it that way. And I think that's where it all gets super messy and complicated, but that when we respond to the girls and women and young men and boys who are fascinated by these people with some version of Kylie Jenner is a tramp, we're failing those yeah. kids. We're failing the true like gray areas of the story, but also like, we're not giving those kids the tools that they need because they do need to know there's a difference between Kylie Jenner putting up a picture of herself and someone else coming and saying, I'll make you famous. I'm going to take pictures of you and you have no control over them. Right. Right. But if you well, haven't talked to the girls involved, all they see is Instagram. Right. So they don't know the difference backstory. between those two things. Right. Kylie it's, Jenner owns her rights. Yeah, it's interesting. If you get picked up by some model at the modeling scout at the mall, who's going to take your pictures of you and the, you know, thing, and you sign away your rights, like Kylie Jenner is a businesswoman. Yeah, and I just think that like when we look at Kylie Jenner and say, because she's posting pictures or Lizzo or anybody right now, because she's posting pictures of herself half dressed, it means she doesn't have any business sense. That is a not a. It's not the whole story. It's not it the is. whole story. It's not the whole story. And I think it's so interesting. What I was going to say a second ago is it reminds me of the, um, and I can't remember the actress's name. She was nominated for an Academy Award in Little Women, who played Amy in Little Women. Florence Pugh. Said, yes. Thank you. Florence Pugh. Where she talks about like, don't for one second think that me getting married is not an economic decision. Like, right. and, and I feel like it's so interesting to me that here we are in 2020. And there's still so many of the same threads and themes as far as 
being women and what that looks like in an in a world where you're making your way economically and it is quite easy to be pulled into something that's not of your choosing like you're talking about because of the ones who are choosing and what and it all looks the same but the right. subtleties are so different like and i think that that's what that's what excites me about right now and and talking to kids right now even is they're starting to see the subtleties and recognize it. I think the whole me too thing is all about the subtleties of things. So, and how messy it is, right? It's not all like wrapped up in a bow and this is what it is. You have to dig deeper. And I love your analogy of having that extra mirror so that you get the 360 view. You can see in front and in back to really get the full picture. Because I think that desire to be seen is so strong. I feel like it's like, it must be one of the core human desires. And so the idea that, you know, our, this world we're living in, and I really try to get at this as a book, gives you, can give you the illusion that you're seen when you aren't, but then also there are potential places for real connection. Like, um, you know, one of the most important moments in the book is when Ariadne is seen. Now it's by a boy, so it's a little bit of a love story, but it, but I think that, I feel like almost like that, and that cannot, on some level, that can't happen screen mediated. But we are looking at each other in the eyes, we're connecting, like we're talking. And I think that's part of why podcasts are so appealing right now because it's two humans communicating because it is also true that like, I can feel like when I see a picture of Kylie Jenner and I, let's say I respond to it, which I don't generally, but let's say I do. And she hearts it, it can feel like I connected with Kylie, but of course, I didn't connect with Kylie. She's probably not even the person hearting it. It's probably like an assistant of some kind. And so I think that is another piece of our whole thing, which is that our current world can give you an illusion of being seen when really you're not, or even only a part of you is being seen and not the full human expression. And I think that is something that, um, that the, the book also really tries to talk about because the character of Theseus is a little bit of a, he's different based on where he is. Explain that. His, the way that he interacts with the king and the way that he interacts with Ariadne are very different. The way he interacts when he's in his role as prince and the way he interacts when he's one-on-one with Ariadne are very different. Two very different things, right? Whereas Ariadne herself, like she doesn't even have that skill set. Like she's just. She's never had to. She's never had to and it certainly doesn't come naturally to her (laughs) no but I would also say like I think as part of this too is that there's a part in the story where the role that she has um, she's been able to just go do her job and turn around and leave and not see what happens in the aftermath right and Theseus grabs her and says you have to stay and see see this through to the end right and I think that that's another important lesson too in the book that you've, you've woven in, which is, yeah, you can, you can go and do your thing and walk away, but especially in this world of social media that we're living in, there's an aftermath that sometimes is, is not pretty at all right. that, again, you're holding up that 360 mirror. So you have to see the whole picture to really be able to navigate well. And even when you're doing what 
you were told to do, uh-huh. right? You still, I mean, Theseus is point. And I don't, I don't mean to suggest that these, I mean, I, I really did design Theseus to be a good guy. And he's someone who's had to develop those different roles because he's, he's grown up in a way where he just had to, like he's, right. he's code switching all the time. Like for survival, like for, for survival, survival. to be able to succeed in, in what he wants to do. Even just to come out of the family he grew up in. He's just been forced to to read a room and to see, you know, who needs to show up today. Like, and they are all versions of himself. He's not fake. It's just, and right. I think Theseus would argue not everybody deserves your whole self. Yes. Yeah. If people are dishonest, like when Theseus walks in a room and can tell everybody's coming from like bad purposes, he doesn't owe them his full self. Right. And I think that that is like another piece because I feel like part of what's so upsetting about what happened with the part you were talking about with Ariadne's understanding of her family that occurs towards the end of the book is that she has, she's been taking everything really literally. Like she's not been looking under the bed. She's not been checking to see. I mean, she's been, it's so funny to write her as a character, which I loved writing her, but she's a person who's in hiding in the beginning of the book. She has a line in the beginning where she says, my sister's, you know, put up inter- makeup tutorials on the internet and I could teach lessons in invisibility. Like right. that's who she is in the beginning of the book. Well, and it's almost willful naivete. Oh, I think it is. Yeah. Just kind of sheltering herself because she just doesn't want the exposure. But she's been allowed to be sheltered because it serves everyone else's interests. Right. If she's checked out playing video games anyway. But she doesn't realize that it's been something it's that she's been allowed. She thinks it's her character. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I think that, again, is part of the huge betrayal. Everything that she thought was true was not. Isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you again, Em, for joining me and sharing all of the great stuff about your book with my audience. And next week, Em is going to be back to talk about how teachers can use the issues and themes in Lifestyles of Gods and Monsters in their classrooms. Now, you might remember from last week's episode, I talked about how to use books across the curriculum in your classrooms. So next week, I want you guys to stay tuned because I am going to give you guys a great resource to show to you how to do exactly that using M's book. So stay tuned. All right. There are links to M's social media in the show notes, as well as links to her book and her website. So I hope you guys check those out and show her all the love. All right. From an ish girl who is so grateful to have such amazing friends. I am so glad that we are all in the middle of it together.